Hello and welcome to episode 43 of GameSpot After Dark, GameSpot's official video game podcast. I'm your host, Jake Decker, and joining me this week is Callie Plaguey. Hello. Jean-Luc Seifke. I've already finished my beer, and we haven't even started. Hell yeah, this is going to be a good episode. And Michael <laughs> Hyam. I'm making my triumphant return to GameSpot After Dark. Hell yeah, because you've Woo. been playing a cool game, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but before we do that, how are y'all doing? I'm about to finish Ooh. my drink. So. <laughs> That's how you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing quite all right. Feels good to be back on the podcast. It's been. Please a minute. tell me you have a glass. Oh, uh, shit. Well, it's made out of glass. <laughs> the bottle's made out of glass. Um, anyway, we're really excited that you're back on. Sorry, I interrupted your oh, no, 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 like, all, heartfelt. It's all good. Thing. It's all good. Uh, this is this yeah. is probably the first episode in a long time where we don't have any British people. You're damn right. I maybe. I mean, we only ever had either. one really before. You know. Yeah. Just tomorrow. Oh yeah, huh? Yeah, I I, I do miss talk, I miss talking to Tam though. I mean, Gamespot After Dark can have one dark person as a treat. <laughs> <laughs> you know the vibes. Uh, all right. Well, why don't we just get into what we've been playing after that then? <laughs> <laughs> can I go uh, first? Yes, you go first, Callie. I Tell have, us about Animal Crossing. I have good news, everyone. I'm playing a game that's not Animal Crossing. I'm still playing Animal Crossing, of course. The bad news is I can't talk about it. I'm playing The Last of Us Part 2. <laughs> so <laughs> oh. that's what's going on with me. I'm rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender. It's my favorite show in the world. I, I am also playing Last of Us 2, and I too cannot talk about anything. Uh, but we will talk about the state of play. I think we're going to let Michael and John Luke take point on that though sure um but kelly and i both did watch it uh so i actually we might be able to... i actually didn't watch it because at this point it's so close to release that i was like eh, i'd rather just i know i'm gonna play the game i don't really want to yeah. see anymore i i haven't finished the game yet and i was really worried that um the state of play would show things that i haven't played yet but it didn't so i heard there's a vita in the game <laughs> yeah yes. yeah there about. is a vita and with hotline miami yeah and there's ice cube ice cube yeah uh it was a good day makes makes an appearance and uh mm-hmm. yeah it's got some it's got some good music going on but hey look the vita the vita player like she got a fucking throat stab bro like that's savage man i made a random tweet about my vita on the weekend and it got like 900 likes and I was like, what oh, the? really? Uh, yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Like, now why now are... you know where to get clout, dude. Just keep, yeah. keep pumping the out Vita. that. The Vita lives. Well, how do you think Greg Miller is as big as he is? He's just <laughs> always banging on that Vita drum. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, listen, the Vita has like, Vita fans have strong, there are dozens of us energy. <laughs> but there are actually more than dozens. I really, I love handheld. So I am also somebody who likes a Vita. And if I found a Vita in the apocalypse, you bet that I would try to charge it and see if it had hotline it's, it's a really nice piece of hardware uh, the thing is i was thinking about this like everyone was like wow the vita like still could hold a charge and i'm like more importantly like you can only play games that don't require like updates to play like it's yeah it's, it has to already have been downloaded i was like have to oh find my cartridges God, what a bleak, bleak world! Yeah. Oh, it doesn't have that that uh like Sony memory card that was like, like proprietary. You... Oh yeah, <laughs> and you're like, ah, how fuck. are you going to be able like to play Danganronpa? It was like two hundred dollars for like sixty four gigs of memory. It Something was, like, stupid ridiculous. like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you see? I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Polygon's tweet was like, 
was like Ellie kills the last PlayStation Vita owner and the new, uh, new last was game. Was, I was like, all right, that's pretty good. Yeah. I'll give you that one, Polygon. Nothing else. You could have that one as a treat. That's it, though. That's it. We're uh, really on a as a treat train today. I, I just got to get out of my system somehow. I don't talk to anyone outside of this apartment, so uh, yeah. y'all, y'all got to save you can, me. You can have an episode of GameSpot After Dark <laughs> as a treat. As a treat. Thank, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm savoring this one. Um, uh, but before we talk too much about Last of Us, why don't we talk about what you guys have been playing? Jean-Luc, do you want to start? Yeah, I put down a couple things. Uh, I don't know which one you guys are interested in. Uh, I've been playing... So I beat Maneater. I played that. Ooh, nice. Shockingly... The shark game, right? Yeah, shockingly good. Sharkingly. Um, sharkingly good. Real... Took a... Uh, nah, I got nothing. Um, <laughs> trying to make a shark joke, I... We uh, we had a we had a field day with the um the shark. Oh ones yeah, I saw that. We were that trying to come good. up with like subheads for the review. Mm-hmm. So like Ed came up with seafood and eat it. Perfect. Yeah. And then I could only come up with Finding Nemo related things. So I was like shark bait, hoo ha, and what was my other one? Oh, Fisher friends, not food. I put something in no, there too. Fisher food, not friends. In you did space. put something. I forgot. I remember. Um. Oh, baby shark. Do 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 it's a fucking banger, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you really are into Baby Shark. You mentioned Baby Shark a lot. Dude, that's my guy, Baby Shark. Or what? A, um... I just saw my brother approaching. I'm going to ask him to get me another drink. Wow, damn. Sushi, get me another drink. Well, man, you you like Maneater then because you play as a, a Baby Shark. And then you grow up, right? And then you eat the And then rich. you grow up. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that game's wild. Like, <laughs> I, I thought... Honestly, like I played it and at first I was like, I don't know about this one. Like, I was going to be like, like oh, gonna... Shark Simulator or whatever. Yeah, and it's like the combat's pretty repetitive. Like, I, I think that game doesn't have the best impression. Like, when you're the baby and it's just like, I don't know, like you have one attack button, you die from like an alligator like super quick. And I was like, ah, I don't know about this. <laughs> but as you get on, I think the like the environments get a lot more interesting. You start in like a swampy bayou, but then like eventually you're like, oh, now I'm in like this cityscape where there's like people on a golf course and you just jump in the air and then you fly like you have like a triple jump which is like ridiculous Holy and then you just like shit. eat a guy like off a golf cart and then you just like jump <laughs> you like combo chain from person to person and you're just eating them all and then uh uh chris parnell like jerry from like rick and morty is just like uh he's he's playing like a uh, like a planet earth type narrator and mm-hmm. he's just, just like talking like very about serene. like you know, uh, man, like encroaching on nature and us getting our comeuppance as the shark is just devouring people. It's so good. That's what I'm saying. It's so good. I prefer to think of him as Chris Parnell from Lazy Sunday, or um, Cyril from Archer, or from that's what I Archer. Call it, Cyril yeah. from Archer. Um, Rick and Morty's the hip one with the kids. So, you know, got got to get that SEO. Yeah. My brother just walked by with no drink for me, so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, it's it's like the formula is very typical Ubisoft, you know, like checklist. You go to each area, but it's so brief. Like, I, I beat the game in about six hours is what my runtime said. And I didn't do everything. I just basically, like, did it until, like, you unlock the next story B and then you just keep going. And the game's got this, like, wonderful mix where the, the whole conceit is, like, this discovery channel style uh like show where there's like this crazy shark hunter who like kills your mom and like 
rips you out of her while like she's pregnant with you and then throws you in the water and you like bite his arm off and then like so the whole game is like you got to kill the guy who killed your mom. It's like a it's like a JRPG. So wow. <laughs> that, <it's> or Bam, <laughs> Bambi or Bambi. Well, I mean Bambi doesn't go on a killing spree, but <laughs> Dog, I, I got to play this. Dude, it's great. And then and then the whole game, I I I've been thinking about it. Like it's got this really the game, I mean, the game knows what it is. It knows it's like, okay, we're just a, a dumb shark game with, like, gore. And, like, that's all we are. But at the same time, like, it it commentates on how it knows that. So, like, it has these weird moments where it's like, I'm literally eating the rich. And, like, Chris Parnell will make all these commentaries about how, like, yeah, you're, like, a killer man-eating shark. But, like, man is the real monster because there's, like, toxic, like, runoff in the water that probably, like, made you as, like, vicious as you are. And, like, like, like it, 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 like it knows that it can't actually say anything meaningful, but also says that in the game where it's, like, it's, like, okay, you know, uh, man's, like... Uh, overindulgence in society is what's causing this like you know current climate crisis we're in but you know like uh, whatever you're just eating people and that's fun too like yeah, that's like, kind uh, of the vibe the game goes for and i'm like okay i'm here for that like that's great they fucked up the water so you fucked them up in yeah return. it's like it's really cathartic like if you just imagine like <laughs> it's so fucked up but i don't know you just like think about all the people like the rich people that you hate, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm eating them." Yeah, this is great. So I'm saying, listen, when I when I make it up to the next tax bracket, don't come after me, bro. I'm I'm good. <laughs> it's and then you uh, tone things down a little bit with Saints Row the Third. Yeah, and then and then I went to a more tame game with Saints Row. Uh, been playing that remaster. I it got looks mi- impressive. Ah, yeah. I got mixed feelings on it. It's weird. Oh, really? It's it's um. So it does look initially impressive. I think like the changes to the lighting and and like when you're driving around the city, you're like, oh, this looks great. I don't like the faces. Like I feel like they they messed up where they redid everyone's character models and they like technically look better still. Excuse me. (laughs) They technically look better still. But something about when they're moving like their mouth movements are very um, stiff and they're not oh. expressive. And I, I'm, I'm playing it with Georgia, who's never played it before. And we're like, the on, the writing is honestly still very sharp. Like it's it's juvenile. But it, I, I think like the best writing is because it's more playing off of like the personalities of the different characters and how ridiculous they are. And I think that stuff holds up super well. But I feel like the cutscenes honestly get hindered by like the the weird uncanny valley yeah it's like the the character models look better but then the lip sync is like worse and stiff so it feels like some of the line delivery doesn't hit the same way it's really weird i i think i prefer the original specifically because of the cutscenes. like 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 when you're just driving around the city it looks better but i think that game's cutscenes and humor is such a huge part of it and i think i think it suffers unfortunately which is Bums me out. I mean, it's still worth playing. Like, you know, if you've never played Saints Row, it's definitely not a bad option, but it it feels weird. What about, like, is the Kanye West sequence? Is that... Oh, it still hits. Does that still hit? Oh, it still yeah. hits so good. Oh, dude. The soundtrack <laughs> in that game, awesome. Fantastic. They have... Okay, 
So, uh, you know the character Zemos, who's like the auto-tune character? He just uh-huh. talks entirely in auto-tune? Yeah. That is funnier now than it was back in 2011. Because in 2011, <laughs> that was like, okay, auto-tune, like that's the current thing. Now you're like, that's so, so dated that it's funnier now. Yeah, like yeah. it's way funnier. So I think like shit like that, shit like jumping out of the helicopter to, to power. I mean, the whole... Uh, I, th- I think the music in that game, like the, all the stuff on the radio is like really good. Um, but yeah. I am amazed <laughs> that we haven't seen a Saints Row 5. I think they announced one, right? Like kind of quietly announced one a while back. Shit, but, did like, they? I, I, that's what I heard somewhere. Or maybe there were just like job openings or something like that that like hinted at a Saints Row 5. But I always thought those games sold pretty well. And yeah. I mean, they like, uh, obviously they didn't like blow people's socks off. But I feel like like I had fun playing all of them. I don't think I played four, but Pe- people love three. Three was like a huge breakout hit. Um, was it? Three was, was great. It? Two is my favorite though, but it's busted on PC. That's the one that needed <laughs> yeah. a no. Two uh, like needs a remaster, yeah. like legitimately for sure. Was it three or four where they sent um, games journalists like the purple dildos? That's three. Oh, I thought that it was, was three, right? What there was also was it Saints Row where they sent brass knuckles, or was that something way before? That's there was totally, a game. There's something. Yeah. Oh. I lose track of the like wacky <laughs> PR, the wacky PR yeah. stuff for games, but the 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 Saints Row, I remember because I was I had I was working at IGN like like close to the release of Saints Row 3. Um not like super close, but like I remember it was a thing. It was like we finally got rid of the dildos. <laughs> okay. So so Jake, uh, the official Saints Row Twitter <laughs> on April 6th said a new Saints Row game is in development from Volition. So okay. they are okay, working cool. on one, apparently. Because, like, they've been kind of quiet. Volition has been kind of quiet this generation, right? Like, I nah, man, like they, they made, uh, they made a- that a- great well, game. Other than it, Agents of Mayhem. Agents of Mayhem, yeah. Is the only one that comes to mind, which was bad. and Officially and a Saints Row in the Saints Row canon. Yeah, it was pretty disappointing because <laughs> yeah. it was just like, this isn't really... I don't know, it just seems so weird, like... They seem like with the Saints Row games, they were on the verge of like hitting like a really good high. And then that game came out and I feel like they've been pretty quiet, just like remastering, releasing the games on Switch and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and which like, is good, but I'd be I mean, curious to see what they could do today. Is part of that like just approaching the end of a generation to like it's it's a Maybe. better use of time probably for a lot of developers to be remastering things. True, but I, I'm just talking about, like, for... throughout the generation in general, too, you know? Yeah. 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 That's true. I guess it's been a while since 4. Yeah, it, it's, it's weird. That one was a cross-gen game, wasn't it? Didn't it come to 360 yeah, and... Yeah, time is yeah. a flat circle. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, like, up the same same year. Speak yeah. that truth. I mean, I always love Saints Row because I feel like it is... To me, Saints Row is, like, the 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 alternate version of what GTA could have gone, you know, like like mm-hmm. like when mm-hmm. you think of like the PS2 era of GTA and how it was like kind of goofy, but it was also serious enough. And then like with four, they pivoted to like more serious story stuff. Like Saints Row's like if GTA went in the opposite direction mm-hmm. and just went as stupid as possible. <laughs> so like I, it, it feels like it needs to exist to like balance the two the two games okay okay (laughs) (laughs) you stole my joke michael damn my bad my latency is better i guess (laughs) did you guys ever play uh 2004's punisher game by volition 
No, I've heard I've heard good things about it. I've heard so some people like I, it. The only reason I played it was because I had a friend, or he's still, he's still a good friend of mine, but he loves the Punisher. So he he got this game, and I remember we played it so much, but it was by Volition. It was incredibly violent, uh, but it was not based on the movie at all. It was just like a really like cool. And you were like what twelve? Probably. I was way too young to be playing that game. Uh, but anyway, th- there was, you, you do interrogations and there'd be these brutal interrogations and the scene would cut to, cut, it would cut to black and white and like hide the really violent stuff. Like you'd throw people in wood chippers or stick their face in a, in a piranha a fountain or piranha thing or whatever. And like, and like the game would cut to black and move away and you wouldn't see that stuff up close. But my friend was like, I know a cheat code to get rid of black and white mode. And I was like, what, how do you do it? And he's like, can't tell you. And he <laughs> kept it. He, he held on to this for so long, never figured it out. Cause like, I don't know. I, like the internet existed. Right. But I didn't like I, our, the internet where I was was super slow. I never was on the internet. Uh, so I was just like, how do I do this? And I'd be entering all these cheats. I, when I went to Barnes Noble, I'd look at cheat books to see if I could find <laughs> this cheat. And then a couple of years ago, he's like, oh yeah, I just made that up. And I'm like, Fucking dick. Uh, fucking demons, man. You left me hanging for so long. But anyway, that game is really interesting. It's probably not very good, but like it, it makes a lot of sense that it went from Punisher in 2004 then to Saints Row. Like it was kind <laughs> of that like Saints Row kind of had that vibe to it. Or like Punisher, you could tell that they were heading that direction with how over the top and ridiculous Punisher was, even though it was still kind of like a serious angry Marvel hero. Oh my god, sushi Anyway, that's my rant on Punisher. Oh. <laughs> I had a, a roommate who was really into Saints Row, and we had a fun time. It's that's a, my it's a really fun note. game. Like me and me and Georgia, we played Maneater, and we just went right to Saints Row, and like I don't just know, had a goofy ass time. Yeah, it's just like you know, man, you get you, you know, get a little high and you play some smoke that loud, dude. <laughs> Hey, this is After Dark. You can say whatever you want. Dude, After Heck Dank. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Jean-Luc's been dropping some bombs on After Dark Yo, lately. Bro, so... I forget to bleep them out. Jean-Luc is on a, he's, you're on one, dog. Nobody's messaged me. I keep being like, one day, man, someone's going to hit me up. Yeah. He's, <laughs> like at work, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like someone's like, you'd be like, yo, you need to you need a relax. But yeah, like, until nope. someone says something, like, you good, fam. I mean, you guys remember the Mario Kart's dream? Yeah, yeah. No one ever said anything to me. I literally said, eat my ass, toad, on an International Women's Day stream. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the and real no shit. And no one said, I never got in trouble. So, like. Yeah, see? You know, mm. we say stuff like that, but we um, are not problematic. Yeah, we're within reason. Like, yeah. so, if you try and press yeah. us on it, like, yo, we got, our arguments are watertight, bro. Like. You can't yeah. come after us for things like that because we'll, yeah. we'll let you know. We about that life. Just, just like Saints Row. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect first circle. <laughs> Full circle. Uh, uh, Michael, you've been playing an interesting game too, right? Ooh, yeah. If you want to do a complete 360. Or I mean 180. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Uh, yeah, so going from... Uh, a 900, baby. Think about a- Tony Hawk. Yo, because if you do a 900, you actually be facing the other direction by the end of it. So uh, that yeah. makes sense. Thank you for that. But um, man, yeah, Manny... Yeah, because 1080 would put you... Would do th- is three full spins. 
You know what I'm saying? No, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. 700 what? is, or 720 is two spins, and then a 900 is Two another. and a half, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool yeah. math. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> 900. Oh, hey, by the way, you should check out my feature on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Remasters saying, like, yo, back in the day when I was 10 years old, the shit changed my life with music and skateboarding, because we were out in the streets uh, breaking laws and shit, grinding on, um, on benches and sidewalks and shit, and the police would be like, hey fuck out of here and be like hey eat my ass pig uh so you know the vibes <laughs> um, but to do a complete 900 uh from saints road and man eater i played and reviewed if found uh thanks to callie for the opportunity to put my words out on gamespot.com but uh yeah if we want to get into it uh if found is sort of this i guess more or less a visual novel um and i'll talk about it as if folks don't know what it is um, but, uh, the first impression you get from it is like, it's, it's this, the sketchbook art style. That's, um, a lot of pencil drawings, a lot of, uh, contrasting colors, a lot of duotone. And the way you play the game is your cursor. Most of the time your cursor is an eraser. So you play as, uh, this girl named Cassio and the little story setup is that she's like in her early 20s. I think she's like 23. She comes back home. She has a master's degree. She wants to get a PhD. She comes home and she's more or less like comes from a broken home. So her father's passed away. Her mom's like, yo, when are you going to like start your life, get a job and shit like that? And her brother's a total asshole about the whole thing too. But uh, yeah. And then, so you go through her memories in December, 1993 and it, it's, it, the, the whole thing takes place in, or most of the game takes place in that month. And you kind of see a drastic change in her life during that time. And as you erase each scene, another one presents itself or it, basically progresses uh and it, it's used in really clever ways to where it's it's it leverages that to tell the the story in a very powerful way um but and it takes place in ireland and the thing i like about it one of the many things i love about it is how how it adheres to irish culture so much like it'll drop terms it'll drop uh phrases and a lot of things that are very particular like very very uh particular to not just ireland but the region that the game play game takes place in so county mayo is on the western side of ireland it's it's kind of like this this coastal area rural small town and there are a lot of things specific to it and it has like little footnotes as you uh kind of you read the text with each scene that passes by and I was like, Hey, click here to have an explainer for this. And it's, uh, it, it, in a way I feel like the game is t telling us like, let us bring you into our culture and let us explain it. So you can be a part of this too. It's a really nice feature. Um, but as the game progresses, it's, it's you go, Casio's like, you go through all of her, all of her troubles and introspections and all of her thoughts and feelings. And it's the thing I like about it a lot is that between the writing and the art style, it, I say this about a lot of games, um, or I say this about some games, not to make like a direct, like Undertale is a very different thing, but the thing that if found does like a game such as Undertale is that it uses a lot or it uses very subtle details in its art style to communicate so much. So a lot of the, all the characters are drawn in like uh, like pencil etchings, and it's 
and like the, the subtle shifts in their expressions and their gestures communicate so much because it's one thing to read in text like, oh, okay, this is how I feel about this person. We had this conversation. This is what I thought of it. But when you see, when you erase each scene and you see the subtle shift in like the way their eyebrows are, their, their, how their eyes open up, how their hands move uh, in relation to each other. Like there's a lot of scenes where these subtle gestures, it's, it's showing you, not telling you exactly what's happening and how Cassio feels about what's happening. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, there's, you have a group of friends, you live in a, like a dilapidated house for a little while. Uh, she's trying to find herself, but I think the core of it, I have, I mean, you can read my review. I have like a billion words uh, on it, but I think the core to it is how important empathy is in terms of like, you know, not just understanding people, but being able to relate to them and accept them and acknowledge them for who they are. Um, I don't think it's a spoiler, but uh, you pretty much get the hint up front. And a lot of people, like anyone who talks about If Found is going to mention that Cassio is a transgender woman. And so it's a very, uh, the the story is very particular to that. And it's told in a very subtle way that makes it all the more powerful because it's, it's in little hints, like letters that her mom sends to her uh, is like, it's not that her mom is being transphobic outright. It's more of like she doesn't understand gender identity and it comes off as transphobic whether she knows it or not. And that's, I think that's a very like powerful thing in the storytelling that it doesn't spell it out for you. Uh, and rather the context clues all build up towards that. So then you realize, like you make the connection as the player to realize like how much that hurts uh, and I think it, it can teach a lot of people about things like that. And uh, when you come to understand, like, especially by the end, the way it wraps up at the end, it makes its point very clear. And uh, like I keep, I keep saying it, like it's, it's very powerful in that way. And yeah, the scenes are like, so it's, I love the art style so much because the art of style reminds me so much of, we know the devil. I was, I was about, to my, yes, absolutely. I was trying to put my finger on it and, I just put oh, it together. Please. Sorry to, to cut you off, oh, no, Michael. No, no. But it's like, all good. It's all good. I I was trying to find out if it was the same artist. I was looking. I was literally right now looking that up because I I've been yeah. thinking about that because I love that game and I was like, yeah. the art I mean, reminds the, the, me so much of that game. It felt like the thing that's going to draw you in is is that art. I mean, it is yeah. beautiful. Like the the sketch style is beautiful. Yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's uh, and uh, like um, they use a lot of different techniques in terms It's because it's not just like pencil drawings in a diary. It also sometimes it's like a pop up book. Sometimes it's this like this weird mesmerizing surrealist uh, style. So it, sh- it keeps shifting. And the one thing I'll say about the w- like how that works is there is a scene where Cassio and her friend like blaze up like they fucking get they smoking on that yeah. dank drill, bro. Yeah. And then. Um, <laughs> As the scene progresses, their their character the, the character models like get wavy. Like, yo, I'm fucking high shit with them. That's wild. Uh, <laughs> it's such a like a small thing, but it, it, again, like many things in the game, it communicates so much with such a such a like a, a small technique that you might overlook. Um, and, and like one thing I really like about your review of the game, which even if you're listening to Michael talk about it, you should still re- read the review. Hell yeah. Um, as I think that your review communicates like the emotion of the game really well. Mm-hmm. Like you really set the the tone of the, the game with your review. Because um, I think it's like 
it, it sounds like a difficult game to describe, and I think you captured the the like emotional weight of it really well. Shit, hell yeah, gang shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, ah, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was difficult to write too, man. Like uh, because like uh, you know talking about things that um, like you're essentially like I am a person who's playing this from the outside looking in in a sense. Um, like uh, you, when you play games uh, that are from the perspective of marginalized people uh, in the same way that maybe other people play a game like Indivisible, which is which I reviewed and like I made it very personal because it means a lot to me as a as a jungle Asian. You know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> oh so but what I think it's important that it provides such a strong insight into maybe a world uh, that you're not familiar with. And does it in a um, in a way that that can be relatable and teach you a lot about things that you might not know about. So, um, but yeah, uh, there's a million other things I could say about the game, but I'll leave it at that. Uh, music is incredible. Some real nice, serene and post rock jams in there. And uh, yeah, that's uh, it's also only twelve bucks, so it's not like a full price game or anything. It's short. It's like two hours, right? It's two or three hours. Yeah. Uh, and the, the way it wraps up is so nicely, uh, and the way it, it, yeah, it, fl- it flips its themes on itself throughout the game. Like, man, it reminds me a lot of like the short indie game, like golden age of like the early to mid 2010s, like, yeah. like with gone home and like you, you could just play like this little, like it was just this contained experience and mm-hmm. that's what it found. I keep hitting this desk. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. That's what it found. Um, seems to me like i'm really excited to play it i i don't exactly have time right now but um i will have time soon and i i really want to play it yeah i I think a lot a lot of people are looking for bite-sized games Mm -hmm. because it's very daunting to go into a 50-hour game or a 100-hour game uh but yeah this it it found uses its time extremely well there's no filler it just keeps uh hitting you with with good like the good stuff would you say all killer no filler all killer, no filler, man. You know what I'm saying? Wait, is that a that, that's the sum forty one? No, that is the yes, it is. <laughs> okay, yeah. Hey. Well, speaking of fifty to hundred hour games, uh, I also reviewed Xenoblade Chronicles, and that yep. embargo is finally <laughs> up. Uh, I've been playing that for the last couple weeks now. Uh, I had never played the original; I'd always wanted to, um, but when it came out, I didn't have a Wii, and I had I was not going to get a Wii just for it. Uh, but I dabbled in other ones. I played a bit of two, uh, and I enjoyed what I played of it, but I wasn't reviewing it. So I was like, "Eh, I don't, I don't know if I want to spend a hundred hours playing this. Uh, but luckily I got to review Xenoblade Chronicles definitive edition. Thank you, Callie for the Nintendo switch. Uh, so I, that is mostly what I've been doing, uh, these past couple weeks and it is pretty dang good. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I'm, I kind of wish I did play it earlier, but at the same time, I'm happy I didn't because seeing the definitive edition, like I was looking at some character models from the original and they look pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. I think like one thing that's, that's really good about having someone who hasn't played the original game, uh, play the definitive edition. Like obviously you have a, um, an appreciation for JRPGs. You've played plenty of games that are like Xenoblade Chronicles and you've played other Xenoblade games. Um, and I think that it was a really good fit because, like, it's very easy to go back and, like, I think you were saying before the podcast that you, like, looked at a Giant Bomb Quick Look for the original. Um, it's really easy to go back and, like, make those comparison notes for yourself. Like, oh, okay, this feature 
was in the original game or it wasn't in the original game. Like, how has it changed from what I can see? Um, and that, I think, is a totally viable way to review a game. And you have somebody who has kind of, like, fresh eyes in 2020. How did this game hold up? And that's what your review answers. And you really go into the combat. Like, you don't just talk about the um, additions and the new stuff in the game. You, like, really take a take a fresh look at Xenoblade Chronicles as a whole. Yeah, and I mean, I think, like, I... Like, I had a fresh perspective on the combat and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think, like, the things that most people are most interested in and something that I spent a lot of time talking about were all of the difficulty options, which, you know, typically isn't something I'm sure people would spend a lot of time talking about in a review. But I think it actually makes the game really good because it's very forgiving. Uh, you can change it whenever you want. You can make the game harder. You can make it easier with casual mode and then from there there are a lot of like customization options with that mostly in the form of expert mode which lets you automatically adjust your levels so you can if you're really good at the game uh, or if you just like to grind do all the side quests you're going to get over leveled and this will let you you know roll your character a couple levels back to make the combat tougher if that's what you want uh, or you know alternatively if you're stuck on a boss and you or you just don't want to spend you know, a hundred hours playing this game, you know, grinding for these bosses, you can just switch to casual mode for a little bit, knock out some battles, grind a few levels much quicker than you would otherwise, and then just go back and smash the boss. Not that kind of smash the boss. <laughs> whoa, 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 relax. I know it's quarantine out here, but you know. I mean, we've seen some of the characters in Xenoblade Chronicles too. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, they... I'm talking about the one with the ginormous chest. There's a lot of them. <laughs> that have Some been, good anime titties. Actually, I don't know if it's good, but you know. No, they're like they're like backbreaking and, and also not in the good way. <laughs> like yeah, that that this one, one too. Oh my god. Yeah, it was absurd. Uh but, but it's weird cuz especially this one with the new art style too, like originally it kind of felt innocent. Like the game doesn't it, it's never that dark. It doesn't like dig into these heavy themes as deep as some other games do, uh, but then you got the Xenoblade Chronicles too, and it's like, all right, same style, but we're gonna make it a little bit more cartoony. Except all the women in this game are just gonna have massive tits, <laughs> 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 which, which is it, it's interesting going back to Xenoblade Chronicles one because everything seems more appropriate, I guess you could say, <laughs> more fitting for. They weren't as yeah. bold. Yeah. Exactly, uh, bold and brash. Damn. More like. Belongs in the trash. Whoa, bars. <laughs> Except not this game. Um, but yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. I think the epilogue is a real standout, too. Uh, it trims a lot of the, the fat and bloat from the main game, which by itself wasn't bad, because a lot of it you could ignore if you didn't want to engage with it. But just the, the epilogue just feels super focused and refined. And, you know, Monolith Soft has always been really good at creating these awesome big worlds with really cool backdrops and just a, a really impressive setting. And I think you can tell they've mastered that with this DLC because the area you're in is absolutely stunning, which is a lot to say. Like, sure, it's not the graphically, it's not going to blow you away like a PlayStation 4 game or, a, or an Xbox One X game. But that said, they like the, the art style is just so good. Um, it, 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 it's a world that I was enjoying exploring as much as I possibly could. I have one question. I probably know the answer to this. Uh, is this for me? 
Should I play? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I think so. I, I, I think you'd like this game. Yeah. I, I will say, like, the biggest, like, thing for me, which I, I didn't really talk about in the review, was that it's kind of interesting playing JRPGs that came out before Persona 5 and Dragon Quest XI because mm. both those games are, like, some of the best JRPGs out there, mm-hmm. and they improve so many issues with, like, like they get rid of so many uh, uh, issues and... Uh, like tropes. What's the word? Tropes. Yeah. Uh, and Xenoblade definitely has some of that stuff, and, you know, the game's 10 years old. You can't, like, of course, that stuff is going to be yeah, there. Yeah, it's, like, fundamental to the way it's um, built. But, yeah, it's like, yeah, but... It's, like, a source of tropes, probably. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think, like, a younger audience, maybe, who... Maybe not a younger audience, but an audience who recently got into JRPGs may have a difficult time getting into Xenoblade. Uh, but I, I think the one benefit is that now that the combat, you can adjust the combat to make it much easier. I think that'll help, because... The original one was hard and mm. there were some boss fights where I was just being stubborn. And I was like, no, I'm not going to change the difficulty. I'm going to do this boss fight. And I would grind for a long time and I would spend, I don't know, probably like half an hour in menus, just tweaking my character so I could get the right build to take advantage of this boss, which is super satisfying. But I also get that like, you know, if you do that for the entire game, it can easily take 160 yeah. hours. Um, mm. Does changing the difficulty affect like how much experience you get? Nope. At least from what I can tell, it seems like you get the same. So, so the reason why it goes so much quicker though, is because you just battles go by like, I don't know. Some of them go by twice as fast. So you can just head out into the world mm. and kill monsters twice as fast, get twice the amount of experience just because you're killing them faster. And then you can go back to the boss and fight them. So it's, Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's interesting how, like, Definitive Editions sometimes make the JRPG faster. Like, I was just thinking about Dragon Quest Eleven S. Was it S? It, w- it was the one. It was, like, yeah. It added so. the uh, 2D version, which, like, significantly significantly cut down, like, exploration time. Right. Yeah. That's and an, it's, like, uh, yeah. the, the fast track version. The fl- yeah, didn't Persona 5? Bro, so, isn't it shorter? So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying is like, yeah. you're right about like the definitive versions of these JRPGs always have an element where you can go through things faster. <laughs> so, Persona 5 definitely, like Royal had that because there's a whole bunch of new content that you probably just want to like get to. Get to. Especially yeah. for returning players. But even like all the Trails of Cold Steel games, when they, they initially come out on like PS4, PS3, or PlayStation consoles or whatever uh when they get ported to pc a couple years later they always implement a uh, fast forward mechanic where you pull the trigger yeah. and everything moves at like four times speed i'm like well why didn't y'all put that in the first place oh, <laughs> because like 12 because, has yeah, yeah 12 yeah yeah. yeah yeah zodiac age did that too because like there are a lot of in elements that are inherent to these games uh, like maybe the way you go through combat scenarios to get to the next town or whatever. And like those things are good, but they can drag on. And eventually they realize, like, oh, shit, like maybe it's better if we just get through this faster. So we'll give you a fast forward mechanic or make things easier. So uh, it's it's funny how that, that, that it, trend is definitely there. Yeah, or even like yeah, even Pokemon. <laughs> even Pokemon does this. Oh, like really? yeah. Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon like sped up the intro sequence like a bunch. And this was one thing that I it didn't bother me at all when I reviewed Sun and Moon. Um, I like didn't think that the begin. It's because I I don't soft reset for like shiny 
starters or anything like that. I was yeah. just like, I'm reviewing the game. I gotta, I gotta go. Yeah. So I like, it didn't bother me at all. But it's a reputation those games have for having a really long tutorial intro sequence. And Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon like cut it down like yeah. really quickly. <laughs> I you don't do any of the exposition before you get your Pokemon. And I was like, okay, now I noticed it. But I, I like the idea of, of remasters really like looking not not just being like, oh, we've added new stuff and it looks prettier, like actually like going back and like fundamentally changing things. Like I've, I've like been playing editing the game. Yeah, like I've been playing I've been playing Royal, you know, Persona 5 Royal. And I think Atlas is like very unique in the way they do those kinds of like i don't know what you'd even call it like game of the year but not really like they, director's they, cut director's yeah. cut is maybe the best term because they yeah. they add new stuff but they also like are using it as an opportunity to like make changes based on feedback like you know uh when the original five came out there was the the meme about like morgana being like uh time to go to bed that doesn't even happen in Royal because they cut all of that out because they uh, they realized like they're like, oh, that's funny. But also people are making fun of it because it kind of sucks. So like they yeah. added this mechanic where you actually can do something at night now. And it's like I like the idea of games actually like realizing like we can we can improve the experience. And like I, I think things like fast forwards are maybe like a little more of a hot fix versus like. Like sure. Persona Five is a little bit maybe more of an extreme example where right. they like yeah. really overhauled it, but it's still welcome. Yeah. Well. Anyway, uh, do we want to talk about the Last of Us? We kind of already talked about it already, uh, and I know Jean Luc, you didn't really get to watch it. Uh, I don't care. I don't know, I mean, maybe if there's you can anything if you want to, you guys want to add. I don't want to say anything because already I'm connecting dots that I can't. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Jake and I really anything. can't say anything. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll have the opportunity to talk about The Last of Us a lot more yeah, soon. Yeah, so, yeah. like, maybe we save it for, for that. But Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think I have that much more to add beyond what everyone saw at the State of Play. I mean, like, it's The Last of Us, and it l- looks and it looks like it plays really, really well. Uh, like, really well-crafted scenarios uh, with combat and all that. And, like all the options and how crafting has evolved and all the different things Ellie can do. Like those things are still impressive. Uh, but I mean, at this point, you know, y'all, y'all playing the game. I can have much better insight. And for me, I'm just like, all right, I'm, I'm ready to play this. Like yeah. I know what this is. This is a known quantity uh, in terms of like uh, what kind of game I'm getting into. I just want to see the drama and fight those, those, those harrowing um, sequences and all that stuff. Clickers. So man i'm i don't know if i'm ready because i'm motherfuckers hell no i uh, i think the one thing that like i I can say is um i think like i would have said this anyway i think people are really quick to judge games now like these days based on these like preview snippets that we get mm -hmm. and i i would say i was kind of guilty of doing that with ghost of uh tsushima because before I dug into it, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, they have English dub, but it's people using kind of, like, exaggerated Japanese accents. And it's it's not a Japanese studio. I'm, I'm a little, like, eh on this. And then I found out that, like, the, the studio did really work with Japanese people uh, to consult on the game. And, and, of course, I didn't, like, tweet a hot take or anything. But, like, right. I did wait to get that information. And I would say that, like generally i think that we could all like cool off on the hot takes just based on like what we're presented i think there's something to be said about like the way games are marketed for sure Mm -hmm. and like 
you can say like I I did a a, a preview for Far Cry. Mm, what number was it? The Three. one with the Colts. Five? Five. 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 I, I was like, was it four or was it five? There's too many of them. <laughs> but I did a, a preview on that just specifically about like, how could this go well? How could this go wrong based on what I know about like the cult setting? And I was just talking about like Waco, Texas and, and, and stuff like that. But like, so I think there's something to be said for, for those kinds of takes based on the information you get initially. But I think there's kind of this... Um, current about the last of us part two where people are just ready to to jump at like whatever hot take there is based on on what they see and i i just think it's a trend that we could um do away with it's so weird it came out of nowhere it feels like like everyone was so excited for that game and then the second that leak happened well that and when it got delayed too, the first the that that second delay because it was supposed to come in february and they pushed it and they delayed it again indefinitely and that's when it started and i imagine that's why people decided they should hack the game and figure out all that stuff it just frustrates me because my job is the reviews editor and like the reviews is like we're looking at the final product Mm -hmm. you're looking at it as a whole and you're looking at it as what it is you're not you're not evaluating the marketing you're not evaluating like what the expectation of the game is you're looking at what the game is in front of you and so it's frustrating for me as the as a reviews editor to see people like just like tweeting these hot takes and i'm like you don't even have the game like you like you you may very like you could be right but like wait until you play the game to develop your hot take like it just doesn't make sense to me the the perfect example of that is like uh matt pageant's very excellent review of rainbow six siege i think i saw like a comment that was like saying how like his reviews invalidated because of that original Ubisoft like E3 presentation from years ago about what the game originally looked. And I'm like, dude, that was so long ago. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I I think you're right, Callie, where it's like, you could absolutely have that conversation about like, Hey, Ubisoft messed up. by like presenting that game in a way that it wasn't (laughs) final. Like, I think that's a very valid conversation, but the idea that like, a game that's been out for what, like five, four or five years at this point is like still invalid because of that is like, that's insane. That's an insane logic of thinking. Like the marketing team is not the development team, development team, you know, like that's a different team. And like, there's just a lot mixed up in it. So it was, I I just, that's my, I will say I was modding the YouTube uh chat as the as we were doing the mm-hmm. the last of us stream <laughs> it's just exhausting <laughs> oh my god absolutely exhausting yeah. it's just like you know what all these people so mad about a game they haven't played because of things they've heard on it's just like just either play the game don't play the game i don't care just stop complaining about it and yeah it doesn't affect like, me just, one way there yeah, one right. way or the other well, if you play it's it. affected is affecting me at the time because it was just like so draining to <laughs> yeah. watch yeah. all these people complain about stupid shit. And it's just like, yo, all right. I, I, I say this many times and it rings true. I got, you know, put this on my gravestone, tombstone, whatever the fuck you call it. Relax. I've been saying it for so long since I was the, however the fuck old I was when I first learned how to say relax, but yo gamers, anyone out there, all y'all, everyone can learn. Relax. When it comes to video games, bro, like video games. Yeah. I, My favorite is like people 
in the chat being like, Neil Druckmann shouldn't be allowed to direct any games Relax. anymore. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, wait, you're invalidating this guy's entire career. You're ignoring it just because of a leak you saw. It's just like, God. Anyway, we should move on. <laughs> let's, let's do some, let's relieve ourselves of this, of this stress. I think Deep I'm going to skip this next one because... Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna skip this next topic and just go right into listener mm. questions this week. Sure. Uh, this one's not actually really a question. It's just a m- email we got that I did want to read. Uh, actually, does this one make sense to read? Yeah. I think it does. Yeah. Kelly, yeah. uh, do you want to read this one? Yes. This is from Marcus the Posty. I'm a key worker, a postman. My son is on the COVID-19 high-risk list, so I cannot enter work or have the social interaction I would normally have. I feel practically alone. I only see my family and the odd person I deliver to to talk to. So thanks for the weekly podcast. Having that show up in my podcast list helps me get through the day, so I want to say thank you. Shout out to Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. Say hi to your postman or postwoman as they come by. I I love that it, this this letter is so obviously British. Um, <laughs> yeah, a key but, worker, uh, a postman. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, Marcus. And I'm glad that we can be a bright spot. This Shots is also uh, this podcast is also a lot of the socially socialization I get each week. So yeah, it's most of the, <laughs> it's, the I get too. It's the same for us. <laughs> Uh, all right, next question here comes from my good pal Brett from Discord. Oh, shit. Shouts out to Brett. That's my guy. <laughs> uh, what's the one game that you would... What's the one game that would get you to get... Oh, my God. I can't read. <laughs> I can never read. I feel like I've been doing well, too. It's because I always, like, set myself up to get the short <laughs> questions. <laughs> anyway. What's the one game that would get you to upgrade to next gen? I don't plan on buying a PS5 for some time, but if something like Horizon 2 were a PS5 exclusive, I would consider upgrading sooner. Hmm. What's the game that's going to get us to upgrade to next gen? It's a weird one because I'm probably just going to do it anyway because I'm just that kind of person. It's a a hard question because we kind of have to upgrade for work. So it's like it's hard to tell... If I weren't doing this job, what would get me to upgrade? If Sony adds so I, a PS5 I, patch to Bloodborne that makes it run at 60, yo. then I'll upgrade. Yo. That's a good one. <laughs> there I, we go. I, I had my brother send me, when I was in college, The Last of Us, the first Last of Us came out when I was in college, and I had my brother ship me our like launch PS3 from the ha- like my parents' house. Because I didn't bring a PS3 with me. I had an Xbox 360, um, but I didn't have, and like a 3DS, but I didn't have like a, a any PlayStation stuff. Um, and I, I had him ship it just so I could play The Last of Us. So I guess if The Last of Us Part 2 were an exclusive, that would probably get me to upgrade. Because that's what got me to um, convince my brother to ship a whole console to me. The Last of Us Remastered is why I bought a PlayStation 4. Same. Like I got an Xbox initially. And then I waited for the PS4 and I was like, I'm going to wait until Destiny. And then I think they kind of surprised announced the definitive edition for Last of Us 2 and I was right. like, or Last of Us Remastered. And I was like, all right, I, I'm going to pick it up for that. Uh, this one's hard to, hard to answer as someone who like keeps their PC up to pretty high standards, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Because it's like a lot of the features that like PS5 and Xbox Series X are touting are they are like legit upgrades from what we have now for consoles 
And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by, I think they will be surprised by the, the, the quality of life changes that the experience will be when you upgrade to these consoles. But when it comes to like how games look, how they run, like I have an NVMe SSD already. I know the consoles are going to be doing something different, so it's probably going to be better than what top-end PCs have now, but I've been experiencing that level of performance for a while. Uh, look, I'm out. I'm balling out on my PC. You I know don't. the answer. It's Hatsune Miku. Yo, okay. If if they if if there is a um, like a mega mega mix that comes out on PS5 <laughs> with like all the songs, like Future Tone almost got it right. They have like 300 or like almost 300 songs, but there are some exclusive songs on the Switch, and there are a bunch of other songs that haven't been made into into rhythm game like playable rhythm game songs. But if they do. On PS5, bro, you know I'm gonna be standing out in the cold. I'm gonna be, <laughs> but again, I'm gonna be in my face mask. I got my gloves. <laughs> I don't care. Y'all better keep a distance. I'll be stiff arming motherfuckers. <laughs> like, yo, if they have the most definitive ass version of uh, Project Diva, Hatsumiku Project Diva, you know it's a done is, deal, bro. Is a song I'd like to sing on any Project Diva? I don't think so. Uta Utai. I don't think so. See, there's like a See, there's so many. I good. love Uta Utai. Um, I also would say that I am a I'm just like a day one Nintendo person. So like, I'm adopt like it's kind of on its own generational cycle. And then for Xbox, Halo 100% would get me to. Halo's a weird one though because it's gonna be yeah. out on current gen. It's gotta be out on PC. But I want to see. The best that's, it can that's be. true. You know, it's like in its full beauty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've been thinking about that too. I think like Halo Infinite, like, yeah, it's, it, it, it is on Xbox One X and Xbox One X is a like, fine console, but like. I, I would say Halo. if, if I, I am planning on upgrading my PC for Cyberpunk, but if I wasn't, or if for some reason I end up don't like, you know, they're going to have that Series X patch. Like, I want to see how beautiful that game could look, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, honestly, like, I feel like ideally it's like a weird cop out, I feel like. But, like, I I want to see, like, a new game that, like, mm-hmm. does something that isn't possible on current gen. Like, yeah. show what, me. What I, That's a good point. What yeah. I will say is that, I mean, I don't know exactly what this is, but I did an interview with the with Bloober team, the developers of The Medium. And mm-hmm. they've made Blair Witch, they made Observer and all that, but they've been they were pretty strong about how our game is going to do something that's going to leverage next gen. Like specifically, it's not coming out on Xbox One, PS4. There's a PC version and then Xbox Series X only. Uh, who knows? I don't know what that is because they were they were really tight lipped about. It. Said they'll mention it later, but. My curiosity is like, okay, then like, yeah, what is this? And that's, if it's if it's impressive enough, like, okay, let's let's go then. That's interesting. So then, is it only Microsoft first party games that will be coming to Xbox One and Xbox Series X for a while? Because oh, I know for they smart said delivery? that. Well, no, no, just in general, didn't they say like you'll be able to play Halo on like any first party Microsoft game? You'll be able to play on first party any for Xbox sure. console. First party is so for, then, yeah. Third party, I guess they can kind of have an option because yeah. that's what I'm more interested in. Because personally, like, I don't think I'm going to get the Series X because I just updated my PC too. I put like a, a 280 Ti in there uh, to prep for Cyberpunk, and it's like, well, I'm just going to play. You good. right? Like, yeah. like, yeah, I'll too probably... soon. I probably won't upgrade to a Series X right away. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, 
I'm more interested in getting a PlayStation Five, honestly, because mm. I know they're going to have exclusives yeah. uh, that are going to be made. Well, I hope that are going to be made specifically for the PS Five, and a lot of those games will probably end up being like glorified tech demos. But still, like I'm like at the beginning of a console generation, I just want to see what be this thing it. can do. Yeah, I have a question. Uh, which, are you subscribed to Game Pass? I am subscribed to Game Phil Pass. Phil Spencer's Phil Spencer's happy with you then. I know that's all I need to do. <laughs> Game Pass Ultimate, too. Ooh, mm. me too, yeah. Wow, real gamers over here. I know. Yeah, balling out. Uh, next question. Jean-Luc, do you want to read this one? Uh, yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite video game controller or peripheral? Mine is the Hitbox Arcade Stick because I play a lot of fighting games and it's very easy to travel with. And that is from Foggy Bear on the Discord. I'm going to mm. guess it's Foggy Bear. Foggy Bear. Like Yogi Bear. That makes more sense. Also, I should have pointed be out foggy bear, we, like you know, like fog. I should have, <laughs> should have pointed out that <laughs> if you have any questions, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast@gamespot.com, or you can join our Discord. You can DM any one of us on Twitter, and we will make sure to get you in there. Or you can just email that email, and we'll get you in there. Anyway, uh, it's a weird one because I'm I'm a weird stickler where I like playing a game on like the um, the peripheral it was like designed for. So, Steel like, for Battalion. example, yeah, exactly. Like, you got to get that original setup, right? You know, you got to spend $150. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. It's like, there's a weird thing where it's like, oh, if I'm going to play Mario 64, like, people are like, ah, you can emulate it and you can use, like, a 360 controller. I'm like, no, I want to use uh, that that N64 yeah. stick, that <laughs> terrible, terrible stick, because it's what it was designed for. So, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I always, like, prefer playing with the controller, like, the game was kind of built around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if I, I have like you. a favorite. I feel you. Um, in terms of like like proprietary controllers or controllers that were made specifically for a game, I mean, like I I, I need to play uh, fighting games with a with a fight stick. Mm-hmm. Um, any most of them will do, but I think my when it comes to like peripheral, uh, especially as I've I've gone through like so many different PC peripherals, like yo, the Logitech MX five eighteen is undefeated. It's the best mouse I ever used. I have a bunch of other Logitech mice, but like the MX five eighteen, bro, it's the best can you, mouse. Can you send me a link to that after? Because I need a new mouse. Yeah, yeah. I need a new mouse too. They re- actually, they remastered it, so it, it was it was the oh, one. Oh hell yeah! Uh, it was the one. Is, does it cut down grinding times? Does it make it Yo, faster? <laughs> I, I, the, the the mouse gates on the bottom are, are better than they were back in the day. But that game that 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 game that mouse came out like two thousand three. Still the best design, I think. But uh, yeah, uh, Logitech peripherals, God, they, they got it right for me. Uh, but other than that, like, I'll use a 360 controller, use a Xbox One controller, use a PS4 controller. I don't, it's all good to me. Yeah. I really want one of the Elite controllers for Xbox because yeah, nice. I've messed around with them and I'm like, man, these are great. But then I never like can pull the trigger when I'm going to buy it. Yeah, this is why this is why you have gamer parents because my dad got me an Xbox Elite controller as a present, Ooh. and so that's how I got mine. Yeah, it's like one of those things you won't buy yourself, but if you yeah. if someone gave it to you, like hell yeah. But my dad was like, yeah. like live in luxury, like have. <laughs> so I really do love that controller. It is nice. It is. It's facts. But generally, I mean, I like like I don't really have. A, Super big preference, I guess. I played Undertale with a trackpad. Like I, I like I'll do whatever I got to do. I, yeah, mm. that's, that's that's not bad when you're trying to like uh, evade attacks. That's I could see that working better. I I beat genocide with a trackpad. 
So Damn. put that on the that's a box quote right there. I know that's that's <laughs> in my resume. I defeated genocide with a trackpad. <laughs> Damn! Shouts out to you. Uh, I, I just I just thought of something right now. Um, uh, 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 shit. Damn. Oh, your camera did a weird dramatic zoom too. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it, like it does this warbly effect. Oh, uh, well, why don't I was just say Guitar Hero? You, you, I mean, obviously you. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like the way it, the way it emulates uh, guitar playing is, and Rocksmith like that shit's tight. So good. Shut oh, up. that was the other thing too. Like I always thought the the rock band guitars, especially like after the first wave, felt so much better than the Guitar Hero guitars. Yeah. Like they just felt so much sturdier. And I remember playing with the rock band guitar and then going back to like my Guitar Hero guitar, like the tiny little like plastic one. And I was like, yeah, it's just not the same. Uh, yeah. That's funny because uh, Georgia, my girlfriend, is the exact opposite. We She's been playing like Guitar Hero. We went to rock band. She's like, I hate this controller. It's terrible. <laughs> see, I, I, could, I feel like if you're actually good at rock uh, guitar hero i could see why you may yeah. not want to go back to the other ones because i remember they made like a bunch of weird changes with like i guess like the the frets were kind of sticky yeah and, like, they're, they're, they're they, just, they don't jet out they were, as like, much soft. they didn't click i i always had an issue reaching the orange one because mm-hmm. my oh, yeah. hands weren't big enough for a really long time so that's <laughs> another yeah uh okay well let's move on to the last question michael do you want to read this one it's such a long sure one, but yeah I, we got persona smt ooh. oh my god ooh, there's damn, the damn. vita ooh, damn 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 all right and the the what we are addressed as in this email is just top chef's kiss yeah that's why i didn't read it because I, I, i'd like <laughs> to wait until we actually get on it to read but i saw that intro and i was like yeah we got it all right, here it is. Let me try my best. I can't read. I haven't read in a very long time. Uh, <laughs> greetings after Dark Nights. Uh, KN Nights. Um, Dark Knight, like the movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe this is too much of an inside baseball question, but I was wondering why it seems like Atlas's two large series seem to play for different teams. Persona and its spinoffs predominantly show up on Sony products, and Shin Megami Tensei SMT has been appearing largely on Nintendo handhelds. It isn't a handheld versus console scenario. When the Vita, PSP, Persona games were coming out, there were SMT games uh, released within the same time frame. I know there are exceptions to the rule with the Persona Q series and Scramble coming to Nintendo consoles, but these seemed more like aberrations or distortions. Ah, I see you. I see you. The The closest thing that I can figure out is that that it may have to do with Atlas's publishing deal with Sega. Uh, but I'm not sure why Sega would be averse to Nintendo money unless Sa- Sony is just backing up enough dump trucks. Ooh, backing up like a dump truck. <laughs> backing up. Uh, the- Sony's <laughs> backing up dump yo, trucks. Are Sony they? got dumps like a truck. Truck, truck. Oh, my God. Persona fans like what, what? Uh, uh, of cash uh, to keep the main Persona series exclusive. The root of this comes down to figuring out why often rumored Persona 5 Switch port has never materialized and generally curios- general curiosity once I had done some reading on the games. Uh, if you want a more fun question, what creatures from the series would manifest as your personas, wrong answers only, or right ones, whatever's funniest. Mara. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> oh my God, okay. <laughs> Just in case y'all don't know, Mara's a big-ass penis. <laughs> on, on like a like, chariot with a wheel. Yeah. A green slimy dick. Yeah, are we all that one? Let's all be that one. <laughs> Yo, hey. Um, Dude, wow, like, is... straight up, all the demons in Shin Megami Tensei would make excellent tattoos. 
Like, absolutely. Yeah, including Mara. Including Mara. Shit. Like, dude, like Yakuza back tattoo, but it's, yeah, it's fucking fat ass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, I don't know the answer to this question. I mean, I, I, I would assume I don't really it's either. a contract thing. It, it, Most of us uh, can only speculate because uh, there's no public, like, statements yeah, or records. I, I want to be careful. I don't want to, like, made. assume too much. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's kind of like patterns that we notice, I guess. Um, I, I would say, like, I, I, I think there's definitely a pattern in Japan of, like, a series being faithful to a specific platform, you know? Like, I, I think that's kind of a... That, that's a bigger deal in Japan. I don't know if it's still as big of a deal, but, you know, like, it was it was a huge deal when Final Fantasy switched from Nintendo to PlayStation. Like, that was a huge deal. And I think, like, that, that thing kind of matters there. So, I, I mean, there's no, like hardcore contract i don't that i'm aware of that like yeah you gotta put persona on this platform because like oh you know all those spinoff games get released on nintendo they put out switch arena on xbox and i so i imagine on some level it is a like just like a like a legacy thing you know maybe the developers just prefer working on that platform you know Um, they don't feel any need to go to a different platform yeah. Didn't the Persona some of the, some of the Persona Five developers? There was something going around that they like didn't think Persona Five would be a good fit handheld. Like they wanted that to kind of stay on a big screen. I don't know. I heard that somewhere. That's fair. I, I mean, it it, it's it's definitely weird because like Persona has been not a handheld series, but like there was that weird stretch where it was like Golden came out on the Vita, and then you had like Q, and that was like a lot of people's first introduction. So I think a lot of people started to associate it more as a handheld series, even though in reality it isn't one. So I think like, I don't know that it maybe created just like a weird expectation on people of like, it's a, it's a handheld franchise and like the developers don't think of it as one as much. Yeah. I don't, like, like, like we said, there's, there's no, there's no evidence as to like whether or not there's right. any contractual obligations, but there's a pattern uh, because like the last time Shin Megami Tensei was on, on a, on a Sony console was, with uh, Nocturne, which came out in 2003 or 2004. Uh, 2004. Uh, and then from then on, uh, Shin Megami Tensei had been relegated to Nintendo franchises. Uh, maybe, like, w- in the case of SMT, maybe it's, like, again, this is speculation, but, like, they scaled down on how much, um, how much, how many resources they put into the SMT franchise. Because SMT 4 and 4 Apocalypse are handheld games. They're kind of, like, a not bite-sized, but they are f- focused, scaled-down types of JRPGs that were n- obviously not made with uh, like a full console in mind. Uh, so they thrive on 3DS in that regard because they are also very true to the original SMT kind of style of game. And so it's like if they brought it to a major console, it wouldn't like translate as well. Uh, so right. having that in, in like a, a 3DS form, they could stay true to what SMT had always been without having the burden of having to evolve the franchise in some sort of big way. Um, now in the regards to bringing like Persona 5 to Switch, I think the, the fans are vocal to a point that it's a problem. Um, mm-hmm. But if there's, if there's one thing to take away is that the, there is a strong desire for it on Nintendo Switch. I don't know if there's a technical reason or if, again, it's a, like some kind of contractual reason, but 
I I still don't necessarily understand uh, why P5 wouldn't come to Switch, but also maybe it's also maybe a resource thing again. Uh, they just came out with Royal, and maybe porting it to Switch will take a lot more work than Atlas and Sega are willing to put in. Uh, so yeah. that's another thing to consider when uh, thinking about this thing. Uh, the SMT five is so SMT five is going to be a Switch exclusive, at least from what we know so far. Um, yeah, they announced it with the Switch announcement yep. three years ago, yo. And there's still <laughs> not a damn thing about it. Uh, still coming, baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I word on the street is there's, it's still in development, obviously. Uh, but I'm wondering, I'm, I'm curious to see what what that game actually turns out to be to see if like okay, this is made as a scaled-down version in mind, or not like a full-blown console version in mind, but again, we'll have to wait to see what SMT5 mm-hmm. actually is. I mean, well, yeah, there could be all sorts of reasons. It could be like, oh, we don't want to eat our own lunch with so many of, like, you know. I, I Yeah, I don't yeah. know. And, 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 and I think, Michael, you made the good point of like, I don't think people realize how how much ports actually like development resources and money ports do actually cost, you know, like yeah. y- either, you know, the persona team themselves would have to do it, which is eating into them working on the next persona game, or they have to hire a different like a third, studio, yeah, a, third a third party, party and studio. Like, and it's like, and well, they have to have a lot of trust uh, in mm-hmm. giving it to another studio to make the right. port actually work properly so, uh, so, so it's they, like they, they might be like very protective of their own brand yeah and Al- atlas does have a studio i think it's studio zero that has done yeah, some work the, for them okay. they they did the catherine full body and they're now working yeah. on um project refantasy project refantasy yeah. so it's like they have a team but that team's already working on other stuff and for yeah. whatever reason you know uh, Atlas felt that their time was better spent on that stuff versus a persona thing, you know? And, yeah. And, and Honestly, I, th- I think it comes down to, like you said, uh, the studio maybe picking their battles, like where right. they can be most effective. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's tough in the streets, yo. <laughs> anyway, I think that about does it for episode 43 of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you so much for listening and thank you guys for joining me. If you've got any questions, make sure to email email us at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com or you can join our Discord by DMing us and we'll get you in there. Uh, Jean-Luc, where can people find you and is there anything you want to plug? Uh, you can find me at Jean-Luc Seipke. Uh, um, potato Mode. Me and me and Michael recorded another Potato Mode where we... Not me, me and Michael. Jesus. What? No. <laughs> I was like, shit, I don't, I don't know nothing about this. You don't remember that? Uh, no, me nope. and Ben Ben Janka recorded a Potato Mode where uh, we looked at Mortal Kombat again because the new uh, Aftermath, uh, Aftermath DLC came out. So like we potato-fied RoboCop and... Uh, all that stuff, and it was it was pretty good. It was it ended up turning out pretty well. So look forward to that. Callie, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at ikidojiko i n k y d o j i k k o. Um, we have a lot of reviews coming up on Gamespot uh, for the end of the month. There's a lot of games coming out, so Xenoblade was one of those big ones. If found for Michael, Michael's also checking out PSO two, and um, we got more. And then of course, like keep an eye out for my Last of Us review, and please don't send me any death threats. I mean, I I'm just expecting them. I have like I'm not far enough, and like I, that's not an indication of anything. I just don't want to get death threats. Uh, Michael, how about you? Hi. Uh, you could find me and all of my bullshit 
at Michael P. Hyam on Twitter.com. And as far as work on GameSpot, boy, pfft, it's been a while since I've been on After Dark, so I'm going to plug all the way back to March, bro. <laughs> Listen, your boy reviewed Half-Life Alex. All right, mm-hmm. we'll make it quick. Persona 5 Royal, mm-hmm. uh, Hatsumiku Project Diva Megamix, and as Callie said, my If Found review is also up. Uh, very proud of all of those reviews. But also, um, Play For All, I think, Jake, you're going to mention it. Uh, so all of us here on this podcast, like Jake and Jean-Luc, are going to be doing a lot of production work, the heavy lifting for that. Callie and I, Tam and Lucy, we're going to be doing a lot of the hosting stuff. we got mm-hmm. so much exciting stuff lined up uh, for y'all in lieu of E3. So, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of work. And I think, you know, if, if y'all like what we do, man, we, we got some things lined up. So uh, pay attention to that. Uh, we're all going to be working very hard uh, to bring that to all y'all out there. Cool. Uh, you said it pretty well there for the play for all. Uh, but you can find me at Jacob Deck on Twitter, and you can check out my Xenoblade Chronicles review, uh, which is up on YouTube and GameSpot. So make sure to check that out. Anyway, we'll see you next week.